Mano a Mano is a retrospective movie show for adults only, educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment. We'll not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. Welcome to Mano a Mano, where men can be men. I'm your host, Jonathan Astro, and with me is a co-host or two, Ricky Allpike, a man who's good in the paint, and Yuri, a straight-up baller. He'll beat you like the Globetrotters, comprehensive and flashy. <laughs> Gentlemen, nice. how are you? I'm very good, thanks. Very good, very good. I like your uh, intro there. I'm, I'm, I'm a Hoops fan, so uh, I'm looking forward to this episode. Well, I wanted to give you a little bit of something. I know, I know you you're big into the b ball, so I wanted to throw you a bit of love. You know, didn't want you didn't want to just go. I don't know. Plus, I don't want to start the show like fumbling around, like like, like I've spilt pencils all over my desk. Like the first show we did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, only the fans will know. Yes. That yes, I fucked up a bunch. So anyway, tonight it's uh, White Men Can't Jump, 1992, directed by Ron Shelton, written by the same. This is from the same year as our previous Mano a Mano film. What's with that? What's the deal with airline peanuts, as they used to say? Well, I, uh, I've said it, I've been saying it more and more recently, but we, we didn't know it at the time, but the, the 90s was, was like a golden era for, for cinema. Mm. Yeah, I think you could be right. I posted that on Twitter and I got a lot of hate. People didn't like that. Well, a couple of people were just like, I don't know, they were being real dickish about it. And... um I don't know. I, I I stand by it. I think that I think what they're leaving, what maybe what they're not for taking into account is that we're, what we're saying is, especially in comparison to the garbage we're seeing now. But even yes, even sure. without comparisons, there was so many good movies from the nineties. Like what, what what sort of shit yes. were these guys saying? Well, look, it was just one of those things. It was dismissive and 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 like like you know sneering like oh you think that was good and like you know and I'm just like well, well yeah. But I posted a picture and it had like all the, 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 you know, basically one from every year and it was everything from, yeah, Basic Instinct, Pop Fiction, Train Spotting, all of the, all of yep. this great stuff that I was just like, well, all that's pretty and, good. And also the, the breadth of styles and, and genres and budgets as well. Yeah. You know? mm. Well, this film is a perfect example of what could be possible in the 90s. So here's the, here's the first thing. Budget $31 million, which doesn't happen anymore. Box office ninety million in nineteen nineties dollars. So, and that's t- not even taking into account the soundtrack, which was huge, the video sales, which would have been massive, the Atari video game, the Atari video game. Is it with their <laughs> shoes or is this a new the shoes? No, I think uh, I think they had Nike had I, I think they called Nike Air Force, and I think they were either they brought out at the same time. They're the ones that. Uh, that Woody Harrison's character wears, and there was some sort of promo tie-in with that. So but they, they would have got a kickback, though. You know, that's a great advertisement for the shoes. So they. Would I'm have embarrassed got because I only just stopped wearing Air Force. I had I had them. You can't wear them anymore. But I for maybe about I don't know four years ago, five years ago, I used to wear them. Like I've got a brand new pair that I used to have had had for years and years and years that I've looked after and everything. I've still got them. So this movie looms large, clearly. Yeah. On all of us. It was the 16th highest grossing movie of 1992. That's a lot. Considering it doesn't have Batman in it. 
Mm. And it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, and it's not, it, this is just a bunch of guys on a court, on a basketball court. And they, all these people in the movie were not huge stars, although they were recognizable. They were not um, massive A-listers just yet. Well, when did, I feel like basketball maybe peaked in the mid-90s. So uh, I'd say this one would have had a, a huge life in home video. In in Australia, you mean? Peaking, or even or? worldwide, like... It felt like mid nineties. Jordan was really. Were, were those the years that he was really at the absolute top of his powers? For sure. Yeah. yeah so I mean, well, it was it was dream dream team years. You know, yeah. it was around that period. Yeah. But but I feel like I, I I feel like the international market now has 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 made NBA sort of a, a bigger thing. I mean, maybe it was bigger in America at that mm. time than it is now. I'm not sure. But in terms of it's it's a global thing now. Like people. People all around the world subscribe to the NBA League Pass, and that that platform that they've built, that that online streaming platform, is is amazing. Uh, I don't know if you've, if I, I actually am not a, a NBA League Pass subscriber, but I've I've seen it and I've heard people talk about it. Like like just the options you've got to watch condensed games, highlights, you follow your favorite players, your teams. You know, it is it is a, an it's amazing. It's not just an app; life. it's a way of life. Yeah, well, that's why I don't have it because I think it would take over my life. Yeah. I mean, would would you be allowed on that app though? I, I assume you'd have to, um, you know, sign off on on certain policies from you know certain foreign countries that were probably got a stranglehold on the whole league. <laughs> <laughs> You're just not allowed to mention anything about Uyghurs. That's right, the only thing. right, right, right. Oh, it is hard work being this good. It's not about black. I don't mean to brag, but I'm the greatest. That's because you never saw me. It's not about white. Honey, I'm home. How much money did you make today? I missed you too. I'm sorry, honey. It's about green. I want to find out how good you are, chump. Come on! I'm your white shadow. I have a business proposal for you, as if you don't mind hustling. What kind of hustle? $500, baby, and you can pick my teammate. Give him the chump. You mean play basketball? Hey, pretty man, I got something for you. Shut your anorexic, malnutrition, tapeworm-having, overdose, Dick Gregory, Bahamian diet-drinking ass up. Give me my money. I see you hustle. Hey, I never use no goofy white mother. Hey, who you calling goofy white mother? You, you. Yeah, yeah. 500 divided by two. How much do you love me? I love you, Infinity. Oh, Billy, you're so stupid. You should have said I love you, Infinity plus Infinity. We shoot you, Billy, but first we want the money. There are rules to hustling. There's an ethics involved. Yeah, that you wouldn't know a damn thing about. <laughs> Will you explain to this Gladys Knight and the pimps? It's pips! The pips! Winning and losing is all one big organic lobule. I hate it when you talk like that. You got that big Z in your fro, man. What are you, the Black Zorro? What are you doing? I'm doing two things. What? I'm making them mad. Most guys don't play good when they're mad. Look, you know you're embarrassing me. That's what you're doing. Yeah, well, that's the other thing I'm doing. I only have four words for you. White men can jump. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to get you off politics. I'm going to do this, this, this synopsis. Here we go. The film follows basketball street hustlers Billy Hoyle, played by Woody Harrelson, and Sidney Dean, played by Wesley Snipes. 
The pair meet during a memorable face-off in which Billy is subbed into a street game with Sydney and everyone else assuming that the uncool and painfully white Billy won't even touch the ball. Billy surprises everyone by beating Sydney uh, in the in the uh, two-on-two and then besting him in a one-on-one shootout shortly after. Billy is trying to make enough cash to pay off a gambling debt he owes to the Stucci brothers, a, a couple of gangsters from uh, out of town. Meanwhile, Billy's girlfriend, Gloria, played by Rosie Perez, uh, spends her days studying almanacs, gathering factoids for her ultimate dream, which is to appear on the TV game show Jeopardy. Sydney approaches Billy with a deal. They should partner up and enter the upcoming two-on-two tournament uh, and in the me- uh, to win the prize money, and in the meantime, run hustles on courts around town to make some extra cash. Billy will pose as an unassuming white dope and Sydney will have the mark pick his teammate, which will always be Billy. The hustle works really well and the boys make some bank, but after a bad day on the court, Sydney tanks and they lose 1700 bucks, which is everything Billy has. Billy comes clean to Gloria and she informs him that he's been hustled by Sydney and she drags Billy over to Sydney's apartment to confront him and it turns out she was right. Gloria and Sydney's wife Rhonda force the men to kiss and make up so they can enter the upcoming two-on-two tournament to win $5,000. Although they bicker and fight, Billy and Sydney manage to win the tournament. Sydney queries why Billy didn't dunk during the game and the argument gets heated on the way home and he finally tells Billy that white men can't jump. Billy uh, has him pull over and, and uh, over to a street ring and he makes a bet with Sydney. Billy says, I need three chances to dunk this ball and if, you know, uh, if I miss, then I'm gonna f- he forfeits his share of the five grand. Billy blows it uh, and loses the money and Gloria leaves him. Billy tracks down Sydney, who's doing quite well now, and begs him for help to get Gloria back. Sydney, feeling sorry for him, sets him up with a friend who works as a security guard on the Jeopardy lot but he'll only get Gloria onto the show if Billy scores a half-court hook shot. Billy nails it, and Gloria debuts on Jeopardy. She also nails it and wins 1400 bucks on her first night, thereabouts. Billy serenades Gloria, and they reconcile. She gives him two grand out of her winnings to get some new clothes and other things. Meanwhile, Sydney's house has been broken into, and or, well, his apartment in a terrible end of town, and left that out, uh, has been broken into and all of his winnings from the tournament have been taken. It's his turn now to track down Billy for help. He asks him to partner up uh, with him to take down the king and the duck, a couple of serious uh, ballers from the old days uh, at some courts across town. Billy excitedly accepts, offering to put his newfound, uh, put in his newfound cash, but Gloria stumbles onto the deal. She tells Billy that if he gambles her money, it's over. Billy you know, promises to her that it's a guaranteed win and he partners up with Sydney and they take on the ballers. It's a tense game, but it all leads up to the moment when Sydney alley-oops the ball so that Billy can finally dunk it to win the game. Billy returns home to find out that Gloria has left him uh, for good this time. And to make matters worse, the Stucci brothers finally catch up with him and Billy hands over all of his winnings to clear the, the debt with, with them. Uh, although Billy's lost everything, it seems that he and Sydney are finally friends, and we end with the men bantering as they play some one-on-one. White men can't jump. Small correction: Gloria wins fourteen thousand, not fourteen hundred. All right, there you go. Fourteen thousand. That's that's that is a good, well, it's a lot, you know. That's good. She's 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 good. 
Thank you. She she beat the uh, the the former champ who was I think a rocket scientist or something, and his yes. his uh, yeah. his main one was twelve grand, and then she beats him with fourteen. Yeah. Ah uh, yes. And and you can see he's visibly pissed off, and he thinks that that the game is rigged mm. because this former disco queen is just like slaying these. Two well, guys. well, let's be real. He thought that this woman of color, this proud woman of color, was. You know, not worth a damn. Why wasn't why wasn't that the entire movie? Or are we getting we're getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we? We are getting ahead of ourselves. Ricky did say uh, the other day offhand that white privilege can't jump. (laughs) (laughs) That's the that's the title, the working title of the remake. That's uh, in the works. uh, Very apt. But wait, gentlemen, you you need to tell me first about your relationship with the film. I need to know how you saw this. If it, you know, did you watch it a lot? What's what's the deal? I I saw this a lot when I was a kid, uh, a lot more than I probably should have. Um, as a kid, I I didn't really understand the back end of the movie. I just thought it was an epic bummer, and that that why did they write it like this? You know, but as an adult now, <laughs> now I love why it. Why wasn't it? You know, why wasn't it the Mighty Ducks? That's right. Why doesn't everyone win? Everyone get the girl? Like you know, so but it's not that kind of movie. Uh, so. Yeah, strangely, it's not a kid's film, but a lot of kids saw this when, when I was young. Yeah, we, we all saw it. Yeah. Um, well, did, I've got, a, a, I've got a, a, maybe a, a question about that. I was obviously a, a fixture at my video store. I can remember, I think there was a PG version of this movie. Really? I think that there was two versions of this movie. I know that there's, there was that they brought out after one that got rid of some of the sex and got rid of some of the trash talk I, because it was too big. The movie was huge. And then they've, I think they clipped it and quickly and got it out there. We all saw it at school and in, in primary school as well. So I remember all of us copying, A, all the trash talk, like all the your mama jokes and everything, and also, B, copying all the moves. Like, re-watching it again, I was like, I remember actually trying to pull off those moves and, and like, iconic ones, like all the different, like, weird no-look-behind-the-back passing and the rounded back through the legs layup that that Snipes' character does, like I remember all like all that shit. We were all about it, you know, way back when. Mm. Well, I can say I remember every side boob shot of Rosie Perez, of which there are many. <laughs> so I must have seen the adults only version when I was there. Young. Look, I there is no other place to mention it in this podcast. But Rosie Perez's inclusive attitude towards her bosom is <laughs> peerless, to say the least, and. I mean, she just acts like she doesn't care. And and you know who cares? I care. Uh, <laughs> because there is you see a little bit of a little bit of nip, Yuri. Here oh, I remember. You do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look, it's is it is it a, I know you're not allowed to say look, we've already broken all the rules in this podcast anyway, but is it okay to say she's got amazing bosoms? It's okay for me, I guess. I, I, is that okay? I don't, I don't I know what's that, okay or? anymore. I don't I don't know what's okay. Like I, I think I've said it before, whatever we think is okay is is surely wrong. So we, we okay. should probably just right. well, they're great. So we should stop trying to guess. I, I, this is this look. This is the hill I want to die on. Okay? <laughs> they're great, and if that means if 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 that means I'm wrong, I don't want to be right. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I am fascinated by this because this was this movie was huge. It was, again, we say this whenever these movies come up, it was everywhere. The poster was everywhere. The soundtrack was, it felt like everywhere, although we only, I can't even knew one song from it really. But this was just ubiquitous. And um, 
the trash talk does does stick in my mind. There were so many bits that became legendary. Just, just you know, we're going to Sizzler. We're going to Sizzler. I was hanging out for that bit. Pretty. It's so pretty. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. I never hit two in a row. I mean that's great, you know. I used to go to Sizzler, and 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 uh, and so I get it. He was I speaking to you. From. He was speaking to me, and it was that era too. Sizzler was right in Yuri, you know. Sizzler was right next yeah. to uh, the cinema yeah. there. We all come from the same damned location, and um, <laughs> that's where Sizzler is, yeah. right next to the cinema. So well, I thought this, included. I, I, this one of the great things that about this film, and, the, and I think the thing that makes it work is the dialogue. Is the trash talk? Is the the, the insults that that you, you've never heard before in your life? Like just so colourful, and I, I think it masks some of the what 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 some people have identified as subpar basketball playing. Which I, I think it's passable personally, and I think because it, everything else is so good about the movie, you, you sort of let that pass. But I have heard people say that they can't watch it because they just don't don't believe the uh wesley snipes and and woody harrelson as as ballers but that's that's interesting um look i fair criticism um but this was as the uh the box office shows it was made for um the average joe not for um hoops fans yep. only you know yeah, yep. go and watch hoop hoop dreams go and watch others there's other stuff for you don't worry about it like um this is a real movie ron shelton's a proper filmmaker with serious references and serious credentials and um the script is outstanding he knew what he was doing and yeah he took a hit with the with the he, he picked actors instead so yeah. i mean what, what can you do yeah. i mean wesley snipes is is electric so charismatic and woody harrelson is is quite uh, a revelation as well like i mean to take a guy who he's just played a dope on cheers really for all that time and then to come out here and that you know their chemistry is very good True. Yeah, and and on that training, um, they they played all day every day, uh, six days a week, uh, training for the role. Uh, learning new moves and becoming familiar with um, Shelton's playbook. Uh, so Shelton hired a former NBA uh, coach to come up with all the plays uh, that you see in the movie, but to ensure that the basketball scenes didn't look completely choreographed. Once they had got those scripted scenes shot and in the bag, Shelton kept the cameras rolling and told everybody to play to win, which le led to some fierce taped battles that, that made it into the final cut. Well, I mean, like I really want to call, I guess maybe not bullshit, but I just want to say fuck off to people who, who have that criticism because, I mean, I think to uh, someone who's not a real diehard basketball fan, that the plays still look great and also it, it's a fucking movie so it's like it, it seems like it's more and more and especially these days as soon as anyone has some sort of specialty or, or, or one area of interest that they're in they will just hammer a movie about the accuracy of that one thing and then let every other thing go it's like it's a it's a fucking movie go watch some basketball if you really want to watch basketball then it's well, interestingly, it's funny to maybe pull a few threads together out of everything we've been talking about. Um, it really resonated with me what you said, Ricky, about it being a bummer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because this is a fucking bummer. And when I was a kid, I used to watch it a lot, but 
I didn't feel good at a certain point or I'd watch maybe the first half or I don't know, like I just put up with the the, the, the sad stuff and mm. I just didn't know how to, how to frame it. And Ron Shelton is a fascinating director. He sort of has niched himself off as a sports guy. So his thing, I guess he's, we, we should watch Bull Durham at some point from 1988. That's his one of his more famous, well, his most famous movie uh, other than this movie. He did Blue Chips, which we would all know with Nick Nolte and Shaq. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, wait, or maybe Friedkin directed that, but I think he, Ron Shelton wrote it. But um, Tin Cup with, with Kevin, Kevin Costner, that's a golf movie, Play It to the Bone, boxing movie. So he he's definitely got a special specialty. Um but interestingly, what I didn't know at the time, because and this is you know maybe getting a little bit geeky, but coming up, we've got a couple of three films from Billy Wilder, and now that I know that he's a Billy Wilder fan, this he's this movie is like a Billy Wilder movie, like like there are masterful setups and payoffs. So there's a great one with Gloria. This whole in their relationship thread, you know, she he she says to Woody like you know I want a glass of water and it basically triggers this big fight and then one of the great lines and as he says she goes he goes you know let's screw or whatever and she says oh I'd rather I I, no no I'd rather you say let's make love or let's fuck you know screwing is for carpenters or whatever and then later on in the movie when he wins her back she says let's screw Mm. when I said I was thirsty it doesn't mean I want you to bring me a glass of water it doesn't you're missing the whole point of me saying I'm thirsty. If I have a problem, you're not supposed to solve it. Men always make the mistake of thinking they can solve a woman's problem. Makes them feel omnipotent. Omnipotent? Did you have a bad dream? It's a way of controlling a woman. Bringing them a glass of water? Yes. I read it in a magazine. See, if I'm thirsty, I don't want you to bring me a glass of water. I want you to sympathize. I want you to say, Gloria, I too know what it feels like to be thirsty. I too have had a dry mouth. I want you to connect with me through sharing and understanding the concept of dry mouthedness. This is all in the same magazine? Into control. Shut up. Sick. Honey, don't give me the rollover, okay? When I say I'm thirsty, it means if anybody in the room has a glass of water, I'd love to have a sip. When I say I want to make love, it means let's screw. That's exactly the kind of thing I thought you would say. Besides, I don't like the word screw, okay? I prefer make love or fuck. Screwing is for carpenters. That's total Billy Wilder. That's that's incredible setup and payoff. You know, there's a, there's the the, um, uh, the whole one of the philosophical points in it is about listening and hearing. You know, the difference between listening and hearing, and that that is again the setup and payoff there. So, I don't know. Like, I think this guy is underrated. I think that um, I could totally see another movie with. Better basketball, uh, better basketballs and uh, uh, scenes, and um, maybe even proper basketballers or whatever. But not having that that cinematic pedigree and not having the chops to pull off what is a rather complex. We, to be honest with you, I'm going to go big here and say we could almost sub basketball out this movie and have it be darts. Mm. Yeah, or anything. Yeah, it could be anything because I think I actually think this this film is about two things. It's about gambling and addiction, but it's also about 
women who want their men to be more responsible than they know how to be. Great. Because, That's great. Because Gloria wants wants Woody to step up and get a job and, and be a provider. And Wesley's uh, wife wants the same. And I think Wesley is a bit far, further along the track there. Like he's actually got a job, but it's, it's some sort of financial crisis going on and he's not got enough work. So he's gone to, to B-ball to sort of supplement that income. So I think he's doing a little bit better. But they both, they're both called upon to step up. Well, also, what we, we do, just going back to, to some of your point, Astro, we do have another version of this movie with proper basketball players, and you mentioned a Blue Chips starring Shaquille O'Neal, one of the, you know, <laughs> a Hall of Famer, and that movie sucked balls. I remember watching it. Well, I mean, it, it's a, tr- prob- a, a troubling film, it's like where, because Nick Nolte's good. And and I remember it's mem- got a memorable ending. It's about integrity, I think, about like you know choosing not to cheat and all that. But Shaquille yeah, sucks. He sucks so hard. I remember all I remember from that movie is watching it and thinking it sucked. That's about all I remember from that movie. So I don't remember any of the basketball. I don't remember anything else. I certainly remember another, the basketball the, in ba- this movie. Another, actually, all of his movies are bummers. He only does bummer sports, <laughs> sports movies. He doesn't. He's. I think you've heard him say he doesn't. He doesn't like sports movies. For so I think he doesn't like the Mighty Ducks and fucking maybe even Hoosiers. Probably thinks that that sucks. Do you know what I mean? Like he wants it to be um, painful. Mm. You know, it's about people because because um, Gloria and is given the most profound words in in the movie. She says sometimes, sometimes you, when, you, when win, you win you really, you really lose. lose. And sometimes, sometimes when you lose, you really win. win. And sometimes, sometimes when you win or lose, you actually tie. Actually tie. Sometimes, sometimes when you tie, when you, you tie, actually win or lose. You actually win or lose. I hate it when you talk like that. It makes me crazy when you talk like that. Winning and losing is all one big organic globule from which one extracts what one needs. I'm fucked. That is, you know, th- for me, this is the heart of the movie. And Ron Shelton, I think Ron Shelton is given little credit for being kind of a street-level uh, philosopher who uses sport to tell us something about what it means to be human. And this is why the movie was so painful to me as a kid. I didn't understand Gloria's words. I listened, but I didn't hear it, mm. uh, you know, to, to quote the film. So now that I'm, I'm older, I understand that, you know, Billy, Billy gets the dunk uh, and loses Gloria and gain, you know, and sort. I guess he gains a, a what we hope is a lifelong friendship with Sydney. Um, but more importantly, you hope that well, he said he's going to get a job, so that has to be a symbol of his him getting responsibility, right? Of 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 a kind. He's like, well, I need a job. You know, I don't think he's going to go fully straight, but you know, I feel like, you know, this is this is the. I didn't even know how I feel now, but it's it's really complex. It's like, what is winning and losing? Do you, know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? And I think that's that's what's so beautifully handled. Like, if it was so more straightforward about, yeah, winning the game, well, I mean, what is winning? Like, he's asking the question here. He's saying, well, what is winning? What is losing? Why do we why do we play on the street? You know, like, what is what does it all mean? Mm. Well, to to go back to one of the scenes that I really like, that the, the opening game, I love how Woody beats Snipes in that first hustle with his passing only, and then a sort of a point is made throughout the film that. Uh, black people are more concerned with looking good than winning, which was, <laughs> which is kind of, you know, it's Woody versus Snipes. Like they're two different approaches, I guess. Like Snipes is a bit more flashy with the way he presents himself, but also the way he plays ball. 
whereas um you know woody's a bit more of a blue is this an old player. school larry bird michael jordan argument i think so yeah is that what this yep. is because because you know from 2023 it sounds it, it's only it only means one thing and that is that it's fucking white supremacy but but in the 90s you can take it on its merits and you can say well wait a minute like two of the greatest players to have ever lived i'm assuming were larry bird and and Michael Jordan and the argument there, even for even as a kid, you knew that Larry Bird was fucking boring and wicked and fucking boring. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like like whereas he didn't do all the stuff that MJ did, yeah. which is what or, which or was, he was Johnson. like an alien or Magic Johnson. So uh, and remember, I'm totally out of my league here. Please write in and hassle me about the basketball <laughs> knowledge I don't have. But um, you know, my understanding is that this is just an extension of that argument that would have been going on for a 10 years or whatever, like however long, yeah. uh, up until that point. And then he's just articulating, he's just saying, look, I'm a bullshit, like chump, nobody, guy from the Midwest, and but I can ball and I want to get it done. Whereas you're, you know, and he's making a bigger point there, but you want to look flashy. And, and he pushes it even further, actually. He says at one point, he says, um, how many dinners did that chain set your family back? Yeah, yeah, that's you know? big. Mm. Which is big. And I and I always loved that initial idea that that Woody was some sort of like college dropout, but he had that potential to go to the NBA, but for whatever reason he just fucked it up at college and now he's like a hustler and he's just tricking people. I, I always loved that idea. But interestingly, Ron Shelton loves he doesn't do the A list story, the triple A story. So Blue Chip was college, blue chips or whatever. Um Bull Durham was the, the, the minor leagues, and it's about getting into the, the big show, getting into the major league. Here we've got street ball. What an interest, what, what a fucking, um, what integrity to, 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 to stick around the, around the edges of the game. This is, this is the exact opposite of the Mighty Ducks. This is the exact opposite of, I mean, the only uh, notable example I'd, I'd put forward is obviously any given, any given Sunday, which I think has a lot of complexity, even though it is the, uh, an alternate version of the may of the majors of the NFL, but still, I just love the idea that he's picked these little areas of sport. You know, these little and because this, there are there are tra- as hoop dreams that documentary, which you know about about um, uh, the the basketball players illustrates. There is tragedy. There are, uh, the stakes are so high in America and in some for some of these people, and there is just but then there's all these there's just tragedy of all kinds of like of missing out, of being good, of having this talent and nothing else. Like, both of these guys in this movie, they live in the shittiest apartments. One guy's on the run because him and his girlfriend owe money to, to low-level thugs. And um, Sydney lives in a, just a dreadful, you know, Vista View <laughs> apartment complex or whatever it's called. And it's tragic, really. But then again, the banter and all of that gets us through these these messages. But the messages are there. You sort of when you sit, think you just sit back and go, "Fuck, how grim." Well, yeah. One of my notes is that um, with those first hustles that that Woody has, so that's like a big win for him. That's a huge day for him, and he comes home uh, to Rosie Perez and, and celebrates with her. That was a whole day's work. He was there from pretty much sunup. He made sixty two dollars. It was a Dreadful. whole day's work yeah. for $62, and that was huge. That was like a big win. That was a big day. Well, well. speaking of speaking of money, the, the one issue I have with this film is the $5,000 from the tournament because 
Well, adjusted for inflation, that comes to ten thousand seven hundred and sixty-one dollars in twenty twenty-three, and split down the middle, that's five thousand three hundred and eighty each. Is that going to fix all their financial problems? Like, like it's painted no. as though it will, though. You know, and there's no, but it's thing- going to get it's going to get um, Sydney out of the Vista View. He can move out of there and maybe get onto a ladder. He's just trying to get onto the ladder to get out. It just seems like not enough. Like I think it, that that amount should have been more because there's a scene directly like after the tournament where Sydney turns up to a to a diner somewhere in a convertible and is mobbed like a hero by the locals. And did he buy this car with the tournament winnings? Because you you don't see him drive a car at all earlier on in the film. So. You know, it's kind of implied that that money goes to this new car, and you know, for me, it just it, it doesn't make sense. You know, but maybe he spent the money on the car. Exactly. Yeah, that's because he's a fucker on looking good. Yes, he, that's what he's done though. He's dressed wicked. He's that's what he's done. I don't you know. know. I, I just think that the, the money should be more because it's they make such a big deal about this fucking tournament that they're gonna I don't buy. know, like because I've yes. I have. Like a very good friend of mine, and I've met other people like this, where they live on the absolute edge of bankruptcy. Like every Jesus. single last cent they make, they spend. So it's it's like they're always, even though, you know, th- this friend of mine is now earning some pretty good money, but he's just spending way more than, than, I, than I think. Like I think he's got like no reserves. So but I think for people like that, especially at, at such a low level, then yeah, maybe five grand is enough to just tip things, you know, over to like the next slot. So it might be enough from them to move out from the Vista View apartments to maybe get enough of a bank loan to, you know, for the lowest end of a house. And for uh, Wesley... It's, too, it's, like it's, it's like Ron Shelton's being too realistic. Yeah, maybe. For Ricky. You know what I mean? Like he's he's kept it too. And you're talking about raising the stakes, which is which yeah. is good. But he's just said, "Nah, man, this is how much these fucking guys like." You know. And actually, for. I I would imagine that that car's leased or rented or borrowed or something. You know what I mean? Like everything's yes. everything's on loan, on credit, on on temporary. Nothing's owned. Nothing solid. Hmm. Yes. But interesting, very interesting. Although the, the the biggest money thing that I and even as a kid I never understood is when uh, is when Woody's character loses his half of the winnings by not dunking. Oh my god! How did Truth. he get the money for the dress that he buys as a present for Rosie Perez? Mm. He did he have cash though? He, like because the, the but he never has cash. He didn't. But he didn't have to put in cash to to play in that yeah, but competition. Yeah, but you know, at the start of the movie, they established that sixty two dollars is a huge day, and I don't think that dress cost sixty bucks. Mm. Yeah, and she wears it, doesn't she, on Jeopardy? On Jeopardy, yeah. Hoochie Mama dress, she calls it. I just assume that he had a little bit of extra cash, and he just spent just the last of it on this dress. It works emotionally, and I it, I, it, I, it does work emotionally. But I think they kind of set up earlier that he's got nothing. Like they, you know. Yes. No, I'll wear it. It was, it was, it was mildly clunky, but it, it, we needed it to happen. The reason I don't jam in a game, all right, is because it's like showboating for the sake of showboating, which you should know plenty about. It's I like, look good it's when like I a play. behind the back pass when it's unnecessary. Motherfucker, you wouldn't know what a behind the back pass was. You'd have a hard enough time passing gas, motherfucker. It goes back to that thing I was saying, all right, quoting myself. A white man wants to win first, look good second. A black man wants to look good first, win second. That is the yes. most ridiculous yes. piece of philosophical bullshit I have ever heard. Look, look right over here. 
right over here. There's a gold right there. Get your money, get the ball, let's go. Quoting myself, that's absolute garbage. Tired of your shit. Yeah, I'm tired of your shit too. Talking all that crap. Bunch of crap. Why don't you just put your money where your mouth is, huh? Just need three tries. Are you sure? That's all you need? Yeah. All right, let's go. <laughs> One of us definitely not going home tonight. Man, you were almost there. Almost there, Billy. Well, Jeopardy. I've got a little factoid here about the whole Jeopardy thing. Uh, so director Ron Shelton wrote the first 37 pages in one night until things came to a complete halt. Uh, it was written very fast, he explains. I was trying to figure out what Gloria's thing was. It had to be so unconnected from the guys because that's big for me to make sure the women aren't defined in terms of the guy business. Uh, after Bechtel he heard test. someone, yes, after he heard someone discussing a friend's aspiration to get on Jeopardy, uh, the final piece was in place. There's no logic to it. It's sort of a Hollywood dream. It's bizarre. It's 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 the only thing to me that that for my whole life has stuck in my craw. And this time, I saw. I'm starting to accept it now, only because it just seemed. I may, maybe the problem. Maybe this is why it's maybe brilliant. Is that her dream is is vacuous and it's not it's not long term and mm. she's studying all day every day go and study at night college go and go and learn how to do something go and contribute don't but the thing is these got people have respected her enough to de- to depict her having a flawed dream and she's drinking as well like you know yeah. like so she's and actually here's just a side note to that can maybe you guys can confirm or deny this isn't she uh, sort of didn't she contribute to the debt that they owe the Stucci brothers isn't I thought it, it her was her. Car? I thought it was her debt. It is her debt, isn't it? Because yeah. she she wanted a car. Billy bought it. It was a piece of junk, and then she, then they then I guess together they said we're not paying. Yeah. Well, well, he was he was hustling for those guys, and he was supposed to throw the game, and he doesn't. Yeah. Okay. But that that was meant to be to to pay off the initial debt. So they gave him an out, and then he fucked up the out, and then oh, it's like okay. okay. But now she's now gotten rid of herself down. from from the the culpability. You know yeah. what I mean? She's she said she's basically saying I'm not involved in him getting that debt. Just to go back to her her Jeopardy thing, I always kind of thought it, it was in line. That's her version of hustling. Yes, it's, it's all it this, is a hustle. It's a it's a weird talent used in a in a weirdly specific sort of way for low stakes and and short term. What is the quince? Who is Peter the Great? Who is the Emperor Constantine? Who is King John? Yes, correct. In his own man. Who is Victoriano Huerta? You are right. Ooh. What is a toast to? Correct. What is chlorophyll? Yes. Yes. What are spores? Right. Oh. What is Australian? Right. Yes. What is the outer Hebrew? You are right. Yes. You know, you know what also it also contributes to this crazy hotness. You know, it's the crazy chicks that are mm. the best in the sack. Yes. Correct. If this was Jeopardy, I'd give that a correct answer. <laughs> the Daily Double. <laughs> the Daily Double. Daily Double. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, so I'm coming around to it. It's And, you, you know, and I mean this in, you know, uh, it's very American. You know what I mean? Her wanting to get on Jeopardy. And I mean that because America is 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 all things. It's the it's the best of things. It's going from rags to riches, but it's also Trump is also American and Atlantic City is American and wanting to go on Jeopardy is American. You know what I mean? As well as all the all the other amazing stuff. So this is this is um perfect in a way. So I've come to terms with it. I've let it go. Maybe it's brilliant. So do we have any favorite scenes? 
Well, um, one of my favorites was uh, Raymond trying to rob the convenience store <laughs> yes. and getting recognized. Uh, but then, and Raymond, I, I, that's I think, you. Yeah. And then, then selling him the gun that he was going to rob him with. That's how yes. he ends up getting money. Uh, but also, and, and I think you guys may have come across this. I think, I think we might have been sending some of the same videos back and forth to each other. That scenario was based on a true story about a guy who ended up making it to the NBA from Detroit who would rob, who, you know, in his, you know, before he made it was a, a, you know, like a low life kind of criminal who would rob the same convenience store multiple times and, and would kind of get recognized because well, he's, he's, yeah, he's a size of a fucking <laughs> size of an NBA player and he's been there more than once before robbing the same place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just everything about that was, and, and even from back in the day, that was, it's... There's a fucking hilarious scene. And just the fact that it's based on a real story, it's just so much fun, yeah. Hey, give me your money. Raymond, that's you. No, 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 this ain't Raymond. Nah. Take off that goddamn mask and put down that gun. Shit. What you trying to do? Look, man, I got me a couple of chumps on the line over here at the park, man. Come on, man, loan me some money, man. Loan me some money. Get the fuck out of here. All right. Hey, look, man, you need you a good gun, man, because there's some crazy motherfuckers walking around this neighborhood. A lot crazier than me. Give me $300 for it. I'll give you $200. Oh, come on, man, $275. $250. All right, all right. But now you robbing me. But I, this was one of a raft of films at the time that was, because think about it, I come from Perth, the most isolated city in the world. I'm just a white boy with just, you know, no no experience of the hood and yet because of this movie and a range of other movies i had this sort of induction into the hood from don't be a menace and dead presidents and boys in the hood it was just this huge raft of hood movies and so here was an a, like all of the stuff that um I'm imagining is very serious, uh, you know, in these in the, these communities. Whether if if there's any truth to this, you know, the idea of there being holdups at bodegas and you knowing the guy, which is probably terrible, but like, the, you know, it's, it's something going bad on the playground on the in the street hustle, and then someone going to get a gun, you know, living in the going like, to the glove box, going to the glove box to get the gun. You know what I mean? Like 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 so, and then like doesn't he pull out a <laughs> A blade as well, like he's you know, yeah, like a, like a razor blade, straight razor, straight blade. razor. Yeah. So I mean, all all of this was sort of getting getting um, uh, drilled into me that this was a place that wasn't that I didn't grow up in this place. It, isn't that you know the same mean? reason why a lot of you know a lot of private educated white boys love rap music, gangster wiggers, rap. Yeah. we used to call them. <laughs> Can you even say Uyghur anymore? Is, well, should, shouldn't you be imprisoned even just for saying that? I think so, you know, because it's it because the N words in there, like uh, well, it's, it's the ghost it's, of the N words in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yes. Well, no. Look, if you can get cancelled for saying Chinese words that sound like the N word, which is a real case, then yeah. So that's it for me. <laughs> anyway, good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's been real. There's this little thing that happens in the scene. Um, when they're in Sydney's apartment fighting about the double cross and they pause arguing to watch these NBA highlights on TV. I yeah. love that little touch. You know, it's like they're furiously arguing about the double cross and then... And one guy's got, got, gonna, he wants to get the bullets for his gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's literally got a gun and then they stop and then after the woman ca women come back in, 
they're all actually they've stopped arguing and they're sitting down watching. Hey man, I trusted you. There are rules to hustling. There's an ethics involved. Yeah, that you wouldn't know a damn thing about. I never shook anyone's hand and stabbed him in the back. Let me tell you something. The Indians shook hands with the pilgrims, and look who got fucked. Okay. Yeah, really. Pilgrims? Who you call a pilgrim, man? You, motherfucking hey, Christopher Columbus. Hey, this, turkey. Hey, hey yo, motherfucker, I got a gun in my hand. What the fuck's wrong with you? Shoot this motherfucker. Shoot this motherfucker. Shoot this motherfucker. Fire for 20. Fire for 20. It's not to shoot this motherfucker right here. Oh, man, I told you some traitor, motherfucker. Pop it, James. Yeah! But don't you think this is a testament? Well, I've got some stuff I need to say about race. It's nothing too heavy, but don't you think that this is also a testament to the, the um, I don't know, the unifying power of sport? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Didn't, didn't sport bring all of these guys together? Yeah, for sure. Well, Billy and Sydney, they come from two different universes, but they're connected by the game. Uh, but this all got me thinking, and look, the elephant in the room, the, remind, we've got to talk about the remake a little bit later as well mm. before we forget. But I just couldn't stop thinking that the 90s was better for racial harmony than, than it is today. Uh, because what we've got is, we've got a white boy, we've got a black guy, and a Chicana chick. You know what I mean? In the That's the leads. And there are shots where it's just all three of them, and then they're talking... You know, true to their character, but you know, it's an interracial relationship. Uh, you know, between the, the the two leads, which is big. We've got, um, you know, Billy largely being, although he's ridiculed, he's largely accepted. You know, in you know, in these these settings. But the key, the key, the key point is that all of these races were in a, in a, you know agreement, despite their differences. That, and this this comes from one of the scenes in the movie. You know how the the, the, the tournament the two-on-two tournament that they go, this is the key for me. All of these people were, all of the, no matter what race you were in this, you were all in agreement that cynical corporations were using you, you know, because this brotherhood game they're putting on, right? Which is almost like, that's the most current thing, you know? I was like, oh my God, that is, that. if it was done now, in fact, in the remake, if they don't go to a BLM, like, uh, competition that is sponsored by, all those white corporations, you know, Jeff Bezos and all that, then they've missed a trick because that's real. That's real. And and it was happening back then. And I, that's when I was embarrassed because it, that would have totally missed me. So, um, uh, you know, because we're supposedly so uh, woke or awake, you know, now, but yet we can't see that Amazon and whoever else, are, uh, you know, what they don't really care about inequality, right? So... Um, you know, I just thought that was something that uh, got me thinking that, that put this movie, as well as the fact everyone was, sport was bringing everyone together. It was just, it just seemed like it was, it was quite a sophisticated engagement with race without having to go to a grotesque, you know, level like where it's like that movie, like that, not the Ballard movie, but that movie Crash from like fucking 20 years ago, which was all about race and that, or this, you know, where, where it's just, People calling each other. Well, everyone's a racist. Yeah, everyone's a racist. Yeah. Like you know, whereas this was, this was, this was the differences were there, but this was just a completely different thing. In fact, um, well, I think I think what I like about this one is that they they talk about race all the time and they give each other shit for being different races, but all the shit they're giving each other is is surface. It's all skin deep different skin deep differences, and when it comes to it, they are coming together 
over common interests, common loves, common passions, which is, okay, I guess, in this case, basketball. But I think even that's saying something. It's like, yeah, our differences are skin deep, but deep down. And and also, not, you know, to go kind of even further between with uh, 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 Woody Harrelson's character and, and Wesley Snipes' character, it, it, it's all about relationships and relationships with their partners, with their women, you know, and, and, and about, you know, trying to get ahead in life. And it's like that's the, the underlying thing. And basketball can be replaced that's because the real story and and i think ricky you pointed out a lot of this is it's about the relationships underneath it so it's like you know they're all going through the same shit there's a great quote here from shelton that i think comes back to what you just said uh yuri he says i came from a conservative working class family but this was back when conservative republicans could still march for civil rights and weren't looking to go to war every five minutes i moved a little left of center i'd call myself a liberal centrist although i guess now i'm a liberal coastal elite I should make a t-shirt that says that. Being colorblind was a huge thing for me. Growing up, there were times I was the white kid on the playground. I don't believe my folks had an ounce of racism in their system, even though I grew up uh, not in the hood. Because of sports, I was with minorities more than a lot of kids. And I think white men carries a cry for racial acceptance despite being a comedy. These two guys get along with each other better than with their women. That's a sort of perverse joke that uh, a very disparate black and white uh, male have in common have more in common than uh, than any man with any woman. <laughs> At the same time, the movie treats women well. Rosie's got a career and Woody doesn't in the end. Uh, what do you think of that? And actually, to add to that, um, Rosie Perez's character was actually written as a white woman. It was. Until, really? Yeah, until she came in and um, apparently the casting director said, uh, hey, can I show you some Latin women? And Jen went, sure. And then Perez came in and, and partway through the audition, they went, yep, yeah, okay, it's hers. She's the it's one. Kind of, it's Latinx. Yeah. Yep. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Just, you know. Did did they do the whole girl six thing where it's like, okay, now take your top off. <laughs> take your top off. <laughs> well, look, I, I got to say, uh, that, you know, I'm not one of these people, despite being relatively anti-woke, I'm not one of these people who walks around and says that it was great, like 100% great in the past. And you know what? Having the courage or whatever it took to, to give me Rosie Perez, you know, as just as an actress, I, I know I pointed to my, I've got my hands in front of me like as if I'm pointing to her bosoms, but... That's just a bonus. She's a wonderful actress and she's funny and interesting and her the way she talks is unique and, it, you know, all of it is she's got a, 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 an attitude and a fire that is, you know, I'm not just being stereotypical. I'm not just saying because she's Latin that she's got a fiery, you know, sort of a tamale-like uh, attitude or anything like that. <laughs> but, I, but, but, you know, I'm sure it took uh, because she's a nobody. She'd only done a couple of scenes in Do the Right Thing or whatever. So this was big to say, oh, I want Rosie Perez when it could have been Meg Ryan, mm. you know, and that just would have been a completely different movie. I think what makes this movie so, I mean, the, the clothes are so colourful and, you know, the fonts colourful and everything and why the hell shouldn't we have all of the, all of the wonderful races that are in California? I'll, I'll tell you what, because you brought up the clothes. One of my first notes about the movie is how gay is that old guy's outfit? <laughs> which which one? Oh, the guy the, in the first the game. Shorts. In the first game, there is an old guy playing. He's got like a white beard and he's wearing skin tight, bright purple pants. Like Bike just skill, yep. skin tight and a colorful striped crop top. So he's got a bare midriff as well. I, I did I did read now I I, ha, I didn't include it in in my trivia but but that is some massive Hall of Fame NBA guy I can't really? remember I can't, I can't remember who it is I can't remember who it is but Why that guy is some like Hall of Fame that? guy 
No, but like Jesus. that's you. You're falling into the trap. All of this would have looked badass in the in 1992. It's Jerry Seinfeld has got a bit about this on one of these talk shows. He says everything goes out of style. He says this suit I'm wearing now. You're going to look back. You're going to look at my hair. You're going to look at this and say you look ridiculous. <laughs> you know, because these guys looked wicked, a hundred percent wicked, and now they all look like. Um, well, they look like they should be in the Pride March, all of them, pretty much. It's a little bit like um, uh, uh, Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Stories when he's talking about uh, the one with Prince and the way Prince's yes. entourage was dressing. Is that back then, if, if you were calling yourself hard, you were wearing some, some, I think he pretty much maybe said gay shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, all, it was all like the pirate type ruffles shirts and, and the, the ruffles and, and, and the hair and the, and the heels and all the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, look, look at what Wesley's wearing, for goodness sakes. Yeah. But because he's buff, who cares? How much did you guys want to play on a court with a chain link uh, basketball net? Yeah. <laughs> I, I had one. I had one on my wrist. Yeah, I had one. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I, ne- I never got to. Like, that's something we always wanted. So, you, you, you were lucky. You, you actually got it. It's the sound, isn't it? Yeah. They, they rust pretty quickly, though, I will say. I was going to say, you had one in the backyard as well, and it rusted out pretty quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. But it, it, I think it's the opening shot from underneath with a ball going through it, and so I always wanted one. You could make your dream come true. All right, it's the time for Who's Your Daddy? Now we're going to do something extremely fun. We're going to play a wonderful game called Who Is My Daddy and What Does He Do? All righty. So, just to recap, um, a lot of the times when in our youth we'd watch movies like this, we'd be kind of looking for father figures and role models. Uh, So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give Ricky and Astro options of who would they rather have as their father. So, first up, we've got Wesley Snipes as Sidney Dean, pros. Good ball player, good hustler, good trash talker. He's pretty good with money. So he's, you know, I mean, they're, they're living in shitty apartments, but still inside the apartment, it's very nice. Um, you know, they have nice clothes, nice things, TV, stereo, all the rest of it. Uh, Ricky, you already mentioned a nice looking car. Um, he works multiple jobs. So as well as basketball hustling, he's got some sort of construction business where he seems to do whatever will make him money. And I, th- I think maybe... Like, I had a vague memory that he had other things going as well. Um, and he's also kind of, uh, he's providing solely for his family. It's not until they get robbed that he agrees to let his wife go, go back to work because he wants her to, you know, have a, have a good time, be home with the kids and all the rest of it. And, and he's a family man. Um, Cons, he's, uh, he's pretty sneaky and untrustworthy. Um, you know, he ends up hustling someone that he... He uh, pretends to be a teammate with, and um, I mean, I guess we'll get to more of an explanation of this later. He may or may not be paying his taxes, so that might come back to bite you in the ass later. Um, Woody Harrelson as Billy Hoyle. He's also a good ball player and hustler. He's a decent singer. You know, he whips out the guitar and and has a has a you know a bit of a plays a bit of a song to Gloria to get her back. And uh, he's quite honest. Um, you know, so he wouldn't even dream of of hustling his teammate or anyone else um so cons he's absolutely terrible with money and uh, quite naive so he gets hustled pretty easily himself and the wild card is uh marcus johnson as raymond he's tall he's got more than one gun 
Um, and he ends up as a five-time NBA All-Star. Uh, cons, he solves all of his problems by going to his glove box. So if you fuck up as a kid... Well, actually, no. It's either going to his glove box or whipping out the straight razor. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, or even Conflict if you resolution. don't fuck up, if, if someone else fucks up in, you know, in front of you, you, you might be seeing some, some, some hardcore problem-solving shit uh, from your dad, Raymond. Jeez, I love Raymond. No. <laughs> you like, you got to go with Raymond? <laughs> oh, I want to. But let me think this through. It's a big decision. Who do I want? Well, Billy is an epic fuck-up, but he does have integrity. He, he wouldn't double-cross a friend. I, I do like that. Whereas, whereas Sidney Dean, Wesley Snipes, he, he does double-cross his friend. So, I don't know. Well, it's tricky because, you know, we don't see Billy with kids, whereas we see Sidney with his kid. And I don't know, like having a kid now and seeing, seeing Sidney with that, that kid really busts me up a little bit. He's just got this little sort of look on his face like, I mean, you know, like he's seeing a lot of stuff. Well, not much, but just some stuff he shouldn't see mm. here, you know, like not a lot. And and it, and his face does seem to say, Daddy, when are you coming home as well? It's sad. It court. is sad. Like, like he doesn't really give the little man much play. Yeah. You know, but then again, we don't, to be fair, we don't see Billy with the kids. So I can't say that, you know, he would be any better necessarily. Mm. I mean, but, you know, but you look at where they live. So um, Sydney's at least trying to provide a good environment for his kid to live in. I mean, he's doing it by being absent and working as much as he can, but he's trying to do that. Whereas uh, Billy, you know, they jump from cheap motel to cheap motel, getting chased by the Stooky brothers and, you know, eat, eating pizza and, and, you know, cold pizza and I'm, I'm assuming very cheap wine. <laughs> well... Let's just say I, I'm not going to go with Raymond, okay? Because I feel like that's it's just a life, I don't know. Like, I, I appreciate him, you know, standing up for what he believes in. Uh, but, you know, it's just a little bit um, anxiety-inducing for me. I don't know about you, Ricky. I, don't know. I think Raymond would be a nightmare. Yes, I think so. He, he, uh, he would be hilarious at times, but, but too nightmarish. You don't have to drop anyone in it, but like, did you ever know anyone when you were a kid who had a, like a terrifying dad or a fuck up dad or anything that, you know, you sort of, we've, they all faded from your memory? Oh, in the periphery, there were people that we knew of that, that had pretty nightmarish situations, yeah. Mm. But not sort of direct friend, friend, family friends or anything, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think it has, it probably have a bit of a toll on yeah. you. So I, I think, I think if, if Gloria came with the Billy Hoyle deal, it would seal it for me, but I think I'm going to have to go with with She'd Sydney be Dean because they broke up. Think it through. She'd be your mum. <laughs> you or are you, are you thinking? See, so, so you're thinking stepmum. You're thinking it's yes. going to be stepmum. He's he's, right? a, he's he's got it in his head. He's like, okay, go with Billy. Well, I thought this whole deal Gloria. was like you get adopted. Isn't that what this is? Oh, well, we haven't <laughs> really <laughs> covered any of this, but I mean, we're just going in different tracks. That's all. Like I just thought. I mean, you you want to see those machine gun jubblies, obviously, regularly. Yes. Well, anyway, look, I, I'm going to go. I'll go with Sydney because, yeah, look, I feel like he's learned a lot, a lot by the end and he's not going to be such a bastard. And, and you make a good case, Ricky, uh, Yuri. I feel like, um, you know, he's um, he is trying to, trying to provide for his family. And he's, you know, whereas Billy, I just can't, him, you, you know, giving, taking that dunk bet and just blowing it. That is so painful. Yeah. That is so real. That's the realest thing in the movie where you just go, oh my God, that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we're in, we're in agreement then. We're both going with Sydney. 
Yeah, and you, you've so. both passed the test because the secret con for Billy was his white, and the secret pro for Sydney was his black. So you guys pass. I love that this was this was just a purity test. Of course, no, no, is. but no, but then you should have you should have um, cancelled us anyway for being, I don't know, like you know, for trying to avoid our white privilege or something. You know what I mean? Like like forcing, like you know, you know, you're tr- trying to force this model minority thing onto onto the black man. Uh, again, no matter what we do, we're cancelled. So sure, <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. Now I don't want to keep coming back to Rosie Perez's bosoms, but. The fact that I'm into her Chicana bosoms, does that mean I'm kind of a bit like, I don't know. Um, you fetishized the Latinx. Oh, okay. Well, so it's a thing. Right. Are, you, are, you, are you open-minded or are you fetishizing? Well, I, d- I don't know. Like, no, d- does it depend how much you're into it? Like, if you've got hard drives full of it, then I feel like <laughs> then, then that, that's like, and if she's nothing like your wife, and your wife finds them, and she, and and she's your wife just got a, just this white wife, and then she finds your hard drives, and it's just it's just endless Latina, Latinx, Latina, funny. Chicana, just just you know all that, you know. Then I think that's different. Anyway, don't check my hard drives. All right, moving on. All right, it's time for trivia. Uh, so Bob Lanier, who played center for the D- Detroit Pistons and Milwaukee Bucks, uh, he's a player and a Hall of Famer, was hired as basketball coach for the film. Uh, I made a mistake earlier. I said he was a coach, but he was a former player. Uh, Lanier was impressed with Harrelson and Snipes, suggesting both reached a Division II college basketball skill level. He also noted that between the two of them, Harrelson was the better player. Um, Harrelson, who had played some basketball in college, was bragging to Lanier about what a great player he was. Uh, so he invited Harrelson to play a little one-on-one, and Harrelson uh, later described it as the most embarrassing 15 minutes of my life. Um, so in the film, Woody Harrelson's character makes a reference to suspected John F. Kennedy assassin Lee Harvey Oswald. In real life, Harrelson's own father had also been targeted as a possible accomplice in the killing. This is a weird fact. Uh, Charlie Sheen was the first choice for the role of Billy Hoyle. He turned it down saying, I didn't feel it would be any fun. I don't feel connected to basketball. Mm. He's much more of a baseball fan. Major League. Major League, yeah. So on that same track, uh, David Duchovny and Keanu Reeves were also considered for the role. Oh, my God. This is Woody Harrelson is the best out of all those. I know. Yep. And I believe Keanu actually tried out for it, but they took one look at him and went, you can't play, man. (laughs) Because this was just off the back of Point Break, so he was a bit of a deal. So they thought maybe he he was the right guy for the job, but... um, He would have been terrible. Yeah. Because just on that, Woody Harrelson... His his comedic timing is very good. He's been on Cheers for all these years. One of my favourite bits is a very small bit. Uh, Gloria goes outside to hail a cab, and he he runs after her, and his body movements are the best. He says, "You can't, you can't hitchhike here. It's LA." And he's and he's going. He's hunched over, and he gets in front of her, and it's just great physical yeah, comedy. Yeah, yeah. He's going, "Move on, move on!" Like he's doing really funny physical comedy, which is you just take for granted. And Keanu couldn't do any of that. No. No way. Honey, you can't hitchhike. This is L.A. Go ahead. Billy! Go ahead. She's just crazy. Go ahead. Billy. Go on. Billy. Ow, these people are perverts. Billy. What? Your carpet's on fire. So uh, Ron Shelton drew inspiration from his time on the court. Got a great quote from him. 
Uh, I went one Friday and the park was chained up, he remembers. I said, what happened? They said, so-and-so got shot. Somebody went to the glove box. When someone says that, everyone goes running. He came back and shot the guy dead. Uh, What was the issue, he said? Block or charge? So it was that (laughs) that old conundrum in basketball. Was it a block or a charge? And they ended up settling it uh, with pistols, I believe. One guy had a pistol. Settling it with one guy with a pistol and one guy with nothing. You yes. made it sound like a, like an old-timey duel. <laughs> that's why I liked it because he said setting up with pistols is a duel. And I was like, no, it's it's a, a, a duel with pistols. one guy. Pistols at dawn. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Johnson has a supporting role as Raymond, uh, who... He loses the game to Snipes and Harrison. Uh, Johnson was a star player for UCLA's 1974 to 1975 national championship team, coached by John Wooden, and later played for the NBA Bucks, Clippers, and Warriors. And as you say, five-time uh, All-Star, I believe. So director Ron Shelton re- was reluctantly forced to sue, to sue 20th Century Fox over breach of contract for this movie. Even though Shelton won the suit, uh, it squashed his plans for a sequel and a television series. Which kind of makes sense. Like the ending of this movie sort of opens it up to a bit of a sequel. Like the banter's going, I don't know. I don't know whether it would have worked, but maybe that was his plan. Who knows? Dreadful. That would have been it, it would it would be like Rush Hour 2. Yeah. Rush Hour 1 sucks. Mm, I know. Yeah, but... It's just the second one is what more. Don't touch a black man's radio again. No, it, it, it would have been one of them try. One of them gets to the NBA or some shit. Oh uh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. it would have been t- stakes would have been higher. I reckon. Yeah. So the category foods that start with the letter Q was an actual category on an October nineteen ninety seven episode of Jeopardy. Um, yeah, so we talked about shoes earlier. To introduce a new basketball shoe, Nike teamed up with the makers of White Men Can't Jump to assemble the package of shoes inspired by the characters Billy Hoyle and Sidney Dean. Uh, and this is the big one. You guys will love this. The film was a favourite of director Stanley Kubrick. I, I saw that as well. Amazing. He's the greatest factoid ever. And well, uh, there's a couple of movies that get referenced in this same league of being liked by Kubrick. And... You know, there's something so wonderful about about an enigmatic figure like him and the incredible movies that he's made. Just sitting down and watching Sidney Dean say, <laughs> it's pretty, it's so pretty. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh. Great stuff. Yeah. I saw your mama kicking a can down the street. I said, what you doing? She said, moving. <laughs> uh, here, I've got a couple of these written down here. Um yeah, you've, you've got that one with the cans. Your mother's so old, she used to drive chariots to high school. I, I love it. This is my favorite one. Your mama's so fat when she fell over, broke her leg, and gravy poured out. <laughs> All of which I also remember from the playground. <laughs> I told your mama to act her age, and the bitch dropped dead. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is, this is another piece of trivia. Uh, the director got everyone as homework to try and come up with the best Yo Mama jokes and to bring them onto the set. Yeah, like a lot of those scenes were kind of improvised, weren't they? People came with pages printed out of these things. Contentious. Wesley says that on one of the interviews I sent you, he reckons that, yeah, a lot of that was, you know, they all hopped in, you know, and did a bit of work there. But Ron Shelton said that percentage-wise, it was a low percentage of improvised material. And I believe him because I think that... Although these those moments are great, I think that they're in not much of the movie. 
Yeah, probably. Or 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 someone would have come up with a great one on on set or in rehearsals, and it would have made it into the script, perhaps. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I got I got one more quote. I love this. Is Billy? He says, "I got an idea. Let's just stop right now and gather up all these bricks, and let's build a shelter for the homeless, so maybe your mother will have a place to live." It's such a complex your mama <laughs> joke involving bricks as well. I know. Yeah. You know. Great stuff. I was going to piggyback on on your trivia, Ricky. So uh, what I mentioned before about uh, Sydney and Wesley Snipes' character maybe getting in trouble with tax is referring to Wesley Snipes going to prison for tax problems. So he actually spent three years in jail for... Initially, I I thought it was tax evasion, but then uh, trying to do even more research uh, for this podcast, I found uh, uh, multiple podcasts where it's after he's gotten out where the interviewer asks him about it and, he, and uh, ask Wesley Snipes about it and he says, oh, no, 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 it wasn't for tax evasion. Yeah, one day I'll, you know, this will all come out and, and yeah, yeah, no, you know, you need to do a bit more research and, and you know, all this avoiding bullshit what? and these were podcasts from about five years ago. What I'm thinking is he's trying to say that he didn't do anything wrong. He had accountants and lawyers in charge of this because um, his accountant and his lawyer went to prison for, I think, eight and nine years, uh, whereas uh, Snipes just did three. Um, so three I think years? Three years in, in a, I think, minimum security, but still. Um, and in the lead up to this, uh, I think when he, because he had a big tax debt, because uh, I think he hadn't, well, Depending on how you look at it, he hadn't, or on his behalf, his tax returns hadn't been filed for many years, so he'd not been paying tax and owed a huge tax bill. A result of this was at one point, he was about to fight Joe Rogan in the UFC. Uh, so Rogan's actually him, Rogan himself has spoken about this more than once on his podcast, and he said that it went so far as they were getting lawyers involved and contracts were being written up, and Rogan had actually started training for it. Do you know the time frame? When was this? Prior to his podcast? Uh, prior to Rogan's podcast, yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah, Do, I think so. So did, did, did Snipes go away like 2005 or 2006 or something? The only reason I ask is because he, because I was trying to pick up where exactly he fell off because he's got quite an impressive filmography. So when you look at it, like there's there's New Jack City, Jungle Fever, Demolition Man, obviously this film, U.S. Marshals, he's good in. Blade is probably one of his more famous movies, and then there's just this influx of dreadful direct-to-video movies, like in twenty oh five, sort of they start to creep in more and more. April two thousand and eight, he went to prison. Well, so he would have been, <laughs> so he would have been uh, in trouble and potentially sentenced uh, before then when he started. Because he was these doing, movies. I think twenty, yeah, five, six, seven, dreadful, dr- the worst movies you've ever seen. Just like look at, and you just go, oh my god, director video, director video, which isn't even even a term now, really. Video on demand is probably what they'd say, but. Yeah, and and then he's you know he's had a relative comeback. You know he was in Chirac, which we watched last week from twenty fifteen. He's in Dolomite, which I recommend everyone see with Eddie. He's Murphy. in Coming to America too. And is he good in that? No. <laughs> Can't remember the the name of this. There was a series I saw on streaming with him and Kevin Hart, which was pretty good, and and he was actually really good in it. Can't remember Does he look what weird? it was called. Yeah, he's gotten skinny. I've I've got to say, like, I was quite shocked to see. Uh, I watched, a, and we watched a little kind of uh, what was it, a ten minute little thirtieth anniversary sort of catch mm. up between Woody and the director and and Wesley. And 
Wesley looks weird, hey? He's super skinny. He's dressed like a 15-year-old boy. He's, I don't know. His teeth look weird. I mean, like, I don't want everyone – I don't want people to be steroid junkies and stuff. But, you know, he, he could put a little meat he, on. He looks like he's got AIDS. Well, I, I kind of – my theory on that, because I saw that as well. And, and it, yeah, in that show, um, series that I um, – I mentioned he's. That's what he looks like. He looks skinny. I think he's a naturally skinny dude, but throughout his youth, he's been an athlete and been constantly exercising. So he would he was packing on muscle on mm. top of a naturally very skinny frame, and especially with age and a drop in testosterone and and probably a drop in activity, maybe he's just slightly more quickly refer, reverting to what his body would naturally be if he wasn't because he he he's actually a lifelong martial artist, which is why. The Joe Rogan fight was a was a legitimate would have been a somewhat legitimate thing. They were, they're both kind of lifelong martial artists. Um, and I, I think I've Snipes. Just, go, sorry, go I, was just, I was just going to say I've I've done a quick Google search and there is talk about him having cancer. I'm not sure if that's oh, legit. Oh dear. Some people some articles does Wesley Snipes have cancer? It looks like he lost a lot of weight from 2023, and there's comparison photos of him as what is that Blade or whatever, and, and mm. him today and. All right. Well, if that's true, we hope you get better, Wesley. All right. Well, that's wonderful, Yuri, um, and terrible at the same time. That was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it, but it is things that people say. Locker room talk, it's that time. So a few things to discuss, gentlemen, just a, just a few big ones, and you can, you can hop in if, if there's anything that I've missed. The glaring problems with this movie are prefigured in the title, of course, White Men Can't Jump. 115 minutes of men trash-talking, relating, and tossing around a rubber ball. Let's not even address the inanity and uh, pointlessness of sports anyway, which is just another celebration of patriarchy and aggression. We are forced to endure what turns out to be some kind of propaganda for male friendship, uh, like I'm meant to be happy that these men have found each other or something. I have no, data, no, I have no data to back this up, but it is my feeling that when men form relationship... Uh, relationships, microaggressions against women of color go up probably 85%, and internet searches for hot lesbian tribbing probably also increase. What is tribbing? I wouldn't know. I've only had it described to me, and it sounds appalling. <laughs> By the way, jumping, and this movie's obsession with it, is frankly ableist, and there is little uh, more toxic than physical competition in general, really. Measuring your skills and worth against uh, other men is not about bonding over respect for others' uh, competence. It's, it's exclusionary. There are many ways of being, and knowing for that matter, that don't require the ability to get buckets, okay? I, for one, would like to see other things celebrated for paying audiences. Uh, for me, uh, I'm really good at complaining to HR about grievances. Isn't this a skill <laughs> worth televising? Or are you simply trying to erase me? <laughs> that should that should be a new Olympic sport. <laughs> Complaining to Asia. I'm trying to get it on the uh, ticket. Amazing. If we are forced to endure a movie about sport, I find it truly offensive that at least one of these leads, both preferably, uh, were not swapped to a woman. Viola Davis was ready and available, I'm sure. And who wouldn't want to see... Well, in the remake, that is. Uh, I, I, and who wouldn't want to see a 57-year-old woman dunking on a man? Who cares if it would never in one million years happen at all? 
That's not the fucking point, okay? The point is women will never progress in this world until they have used men's nuts as a launching pad to jam in an unrealistic and quite masculine way, okay? <laughs> if this ode to misogyny had any integrity, Harrelson or Snipes would have leaned out in favor, not just of Viola Davis, as I mentioned, um, but an out and proud trans woman to have trans woman perhaps in fact in order to right past wrongs i think we should head on down to some street games us three in the hood dressed as trans women what do you say gentlemen i think the ballers would welcome us with open arms so let's tuck our dicks and balls and head on down for a tussle just us girls what do you say <laughs> can we have a pillow fight afterwards i'd say a lot of them would be going to their glove box <laughs> <laughs> that's true that is true okay Right. Now, uh, finally, Billy's loyal girlfriend, Gloria, is totally sidelined by this movie, by the way. And um, But the worst crime is that she is shown drinking vodka during the day, and it is implied also that she was uh, involved or, uh, heavily in the debt that was owed to the Stucci brothers. Um, as Ray in The Force Awakens and most of the women portrayed in mainstream, mainstream movies these days have shown, it is simply not possible that women have any flaws of any kind. Maybe the film should actually be about her, for starters. She could start a consultancy firm that teaches the men in the movie about how to dunk properly. But in the least, if they're not going to do that, the filmmakers, if they cared at all about restorative justice... Uh, they should have ensured that Gloria was an overbearing, sassy and abrasive know-it-all who spends her time sassing men and also wondering why none of them want to be around her. <laughs> so that's what I got, gentlemen. What do you got? Anything Anything leap out of you in this uh, locker room talk? Well, there was, uh, during the 2 on 2 tournament, uh, Billy, Woody Harrelson's character, spends most of the tournament insulting black men and the fact that he wasn't arrested and carried off to jail immediately is, I think, a huge injustice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If I could somehow in an audio fashion like put up a black square as you would you know, <laughs> on, online, I would. I'm doing it now. You can't see it. I've got one. Hold it. I'll just hold this up, this black card. I'm actually card. holding up a black square. Whenever, whenever it's appropriate, I'll just hold it up, and and then you'll know where I'm at. And, and then would you just remain silent for the for the rest of of the podcast yeah, while until we acknowledge your black card? Yeah, probably. And then if you said anything, I'd just start screaming. I don't know. Stop shooting us or something like that. Or what, <laughs> you know, whatever. Even one, though one one thing you've missed from that tournament, John, is the fact that there are there's two women in in bikinis that hold up the giant uh, the oh. giant check. Yes, so, and, and, and also, also, there's no female category in this two-on-two -two competition either. So, yes. I think this film scores very high on the toxicity scale. <laughs> so do I. But really, the, the, don't you think the most glaring thing is that it's it's? I mean, forget the race stuff. I mean, we've already covered that. The, the fact that it's not women can jump. You know what I mean? That's that's the movie. Women can jump. And then, like, the fact that that's not the movie is, is staggering. The remake, you know, that they, because they did the remake and then they haven't really changed much. It's still a black guy and a white guy. And you're like, even though they're, they're terrible. Is it out? Well, it's coming out in like in next month or something, but it looks terrible. And, but the, but the glaring stuff, they're just acting like 30 years hasn't happened. Well, it's not even 30 years. Let's not even count the 20 of those. Let's say 10 years, the last 10 years. 
Do you know what I mean? They're acting like the last 10 years hasn't happened. You can't just go, oh, you know, let's just have a charming buddy movie with a white guy and a black guy, you know, two guys. I mean, Jesus. It's Think of all the shitty stuff we've covered. Like there's so many things that have transgressed. You can't, you, I cannot believe it's even, it's even getting made, really. Toxicity. Full marks. Well, I think I mentioned, like, I, I, I can't, you know, I, I'm at least glad that it's not two women of color. <laughs> what is that? What are you saying? Well, um, yeah. Look, it would be. And do, do you know what? Let's change that. Because the thing is, it's it's we don't care if it's two women of color. I care if the script sucks. Yeah, I I care if it's you know it could be anyone. The problem is we know that the people they're going to cast are going to be reading out um, terrible a terrible script written by young millennial or millennialish white women, liberal coastal liberal elites. And they're going to blow it. They're going to totally blow it. And they're not going to know anything about basketball either. Well, I mean, they're, and they're not going to be interested in, in filmmaking and storytelling. They're going to be interested in, in shitty, ineffective, low-level activism. Yes. Mm. Correct. I was surprised, even though, uh, you know, I'd seen this movie when I was very young and I'd seen it like a, a smattering of times, um, you know, between then and now. But I, was, I had so much fucking fun with this movie. And it wasn't just nostalgia. It was such a fun movie. And that, um, you know, and, and some really solid filmmaking. So, Astro, you already mentioned, like, you know, tying in these themes about listening and hearing. And also the listening and hearing about uh, listening and hearing to Jimmy is also mirroring what Gloria says about winning and losing. And, you know, and then, you know, one of the last bits of advice that Sydney gives Billy at the end is, has listen to the woman. So it's like those things, you know, keep well, yeah, of course, these days. Uh, but there's so, and and you know the 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 way the movie it starts with Billy going up to those old guys and you set up um, was it the King and Duck these you yes. set up these mythical like oh these guys oh is this where the is this where the King and Duck played are these those courts oh those guys were the best and they're the ones that play at the end. And that end game was fucking glorious. I'm pretty sure the entire thing is in slow motion. Yes. And there's no kind Staggering. of like natural audio. It's just slow motion and music. And it's it's beautifully done until, you know, the only bit of natural kind of audio that comes in is when he finally dunks and he's like yelling when he's hanging off the ring because he's finally done it. And it's this amazing climax, beautiful scene only to then in the next scene go, Oh fuck, she's left. It's it's a really good film. I agree with that, and I stand by what I said. This is this is a a in the Billy Wilder tradition. Great script. It's the setups and payoffs, and mm. but it's not formulaic, and it's not. It's it, what's so interesting about it is that it is it's an organic film. You can tell that it's come out in a torrent, and it's all it seems authentic. But at the same time, it's those. He comes from that Hollywood tradition, and and as you as people will find out in the next three weeks uh, with their Billy Wilder. Uh, trio we've got coming up you'll see that this film is definitely coming from that tradition well you know who else i love this movie roger ebert loved this movie he gave it 3.5 stars out of four 
I come back to Ebert quite often because John, I know, uh, I know how much you love Ebert, mm. love hate Ebert. Mm, so uh, he says, "White Man Can't Jump" is a movie about black basketball hustlers and and a white guy who cons some of them and is conned by the others. But that plot description doesn't begin to do justice to this movie, which is all about language and timing and loyalty and betrayal, and is very smart and very funny. The director, Ron Shelton, who also wrote the screenplay, knows how his characters talk and sound and how they get into each other's minds with nonstop taunting and boasting. The language is one of the great joys of this film, not just because of its energy and spirit, most of the characters are gifted verbal improvisers, but because of its originality. The usual four-letter words and their derivatives are upstaged by some of the most creative and bizarre insults I've ever heard in a movie. He said of Perez. He said said of Perez's work that it was Oscar caliber, Oscar caliber supporting work. He finishes Oscar by saying, "Caliber titties." I thought he was going to say. I think that's what he thought, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, performance. He finishes by saying that here is a comedy of great high spirits with an undercurrent of sadness and sweetness that makes it a lot better than the plot itself could possibly suggest. Well, his suggestion that Ron Shelton is. A, allowed to, but skilled at the writing of Ebonics or urban black language is, uh, I think, um, enough to get Mr. Ebert cancelled. Yep. Well, here's here's my last quote. You can put a cat in an oven, but that don't make it a biscuit. (laughs) So he's done done Ebonics in the review. (laughs) No, no, no. That's me. That's me. Oh, that's you (laughs) or you're cancelled. So what do we have on the cards uh, for our next show? So speaking of misogyny, uh, next film, we're going to go big, okay? We're going to go, we're not going to go too far. It seems to be Mano Manu is a pretty 90s show. I mean, we will break that mold eventually, but we're only going to shift it two or three years into the future, uh, 1995-ish, I think. And we're going to do Casino, which is an epic. So you're going to need to put some time aside to watch it. I actually can't, I actually can't wait for this. I'm really excited. Yeah, no, me too. My wife's excited as well when when I told her, what the next one was. She went, oh, can, can we watch that now? I really want to watch it now. Well, look, I, you know, I don't want to make it about another film, but I keep pushing the, uh, the, uh, the Irishman on you because I've, I feel like, you know, you've seen Casino so many times that I think you'll enjoy the, seeing them as a bit of a, I don't know, bookends of a, of a, of a, of, of Scorsese's career. And I, I would love to hear what you guys think of the Irishman at some point. I, I, I don't know if you can squeeze it in, over the next few weeks, but uh, maybe maybe consider it. Look, I, I got some, I got some time off. I'll 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 get to it before uh, before the next podcast. Even if you do it in half an hour, a lot of people did that. They did it in half an hour spurts, and they were just like, Oof. but uh, look, as I said, it's El Pacino's best work in decades. So um, next week, Cyber Cinema is coming up, and uh, you, you, it's Billy Wilder, baby. We're starting big. Some like it hot. So everyone needs to uh, check that out and um, get ahead of that, and we will um, we will uh, celebrate that next week. Well, we said what we said, and until next time, don't, don't be, be a, a pussy. pussy. Okay, three. Don't be a pussy. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>